Welcome to the Hollywood in Toto podcast, the right take on entertainment. The hit cast offers a weekly look at Hollywood from a conservative point of view. Sick of media bias infecting Hollywood headlines? Tired of stars insulting your views? Hit has your back. Now, here's your host, Christian Toto. Welcome to episode 119 of the Hollywood and Toto podcast, The Right Take on Entertainment. This week we're speaking with Matt Billy, the host of an upcoming podcast called Bleeped. It's about censorship and culture and things we really need to know about, but the press can't be bothered to cover. Just this morning, a friend sent me an article via email, and she said, this might grab my attention. Well, she was right. The article in question is from a British publication and explored how woke standards are just absolutely strangling creativity in the young adult fiction realm. To read it, it reads like farce. New writers getting hammered for not being woke enough by fellow writers who, later, get hammered for not being woke enough themselves. You need more? Sensitivity writers tasked with tweaking stories that are not woke enough, getting attacked for their own problematic turns of phrase. It's madness, and it's growing, too. We see elements of it all around Hollywood. Avengers Endgame, an otherwise great movie, stops the final battle cold to send a moment so artificially woke and feminist, even social justice warrior websites call them out for it. Big screen comedies need to empower victims, first and foremost, when if we get to the laughs later on, I guess that's okay. Now, movies with predominantly black characters must be directed by black auteurs, and the same is often true for female superhero movies. Just try pitching Batgirl, directed by Joss Whedon. Who cares that he directed the great movie, The Avengers, the first film in the series? He is not a she. And yes, he did get that gig, and he no longer has that gig. Like I said, it's everywhere. So where are all the Hollywood power players? Shouldn't someone like Stephen King or J.K. Rowling step up to defend those young writers who are under PC attack? What about a Seth Rogen or Amy Schumer saying, hey, let funny people be funny and put that woke stuff behind for now? Actually, those two stars are too busy apologizing for their own unwoke jokes. Where's Don Rickles when you need him? Today's stars are so vocal so often, and yet on this subject one that should be near and dear to their heart, their silence isn't deafening. It's maddening. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Here's the hit tweet of the week. Mark Ruffalo is a fine actor and the very best Hulk around. Sorry, Lou, Ed, and Eric. He's also a far, far left soul who's always scaring us about climate change. And if that means promoting a teenager with very little research or experience on the subject, well, so be it. The Climate Change Network's new star is this young girl named Greta Thunberg. She's a Swedish teen that says the same apocalyptic stuff that Al Gore does, but she's young and she's precocious and she's good at 
getting people to rally by her side, and the left loves weaponizing kids, so now she's a hero. Just ask Mark Ruffalo, who tweeted this out this week. This young person at Greta Thunberg has something you need to hear. Hmm. You think Mark's celebrity pals with their massive carbon footprints are listening? Don't touch that dial. You're listening to my daddy's podcast. My hit tip of the week is fighting with my family. The Rock isn't foolproof at the box office. Remember Baywatch? Or better yet, don't. He also faked to make this fact-based wrestling drama a hit. And that's a shame. Fighting with my family follows a wrestling-obsessed clan trying to get its team members into the WWE. But of course that won't be easy. They are the biggest wrestling federation around, and cracking their, their lineup is not simple. And of course, that's personified here by Vince Vaughn, who plays the person who's chosen to select the different members who will join the family and the many, many wrestlers who get sent home. Now, Dwayne Johnson doesn't, isn't a star here. He's got a small role, maybe two or three scenes in all, but he's very funny. So is Nick Frost, who's the head of this particular family. But the star of this movie is really the family itself. They're goofy, they're relatable, they're built on dreams and love, and of course they're not perfect, a little rough around the edges to say the least, but they're really enjoyable to watch. And they're the main reason to watch this movie, which is kind of a comedy, kind of a drama, has some good elements of both. Fighting With My Family is available right now on home video and pay streaming services. You're listening to the Hollywood in Toto podcast, the right take on entertainment. The HitCast is the right take on entertainment, and that usually means politics, but lately, I have to say, I've been just obsessed about the culture at large. It's why I wanted to interview Matt Billy before his new podcast even debuts. Bleeped, coming out June 18th, looks at censorship from a number of angles. It's about transparency and social media and freedom, and people often caught up in a system that's just plain wrong. Now, Matt isn't new to podcasting. He's had other shows before, but he takes the medium very seriously. He also has some fascinating thoughts to share about deplatforming and other cultural ills that I've been looking at with just absolute horror in the last few months. Now, you can start subscribing to Bleep June 1st, and then, of course, the debut comes out June 18th, but you'll be ready when it actually hits the airwaves. For now, I hope you enjoy my chat with the host of Bleeped, Matt Billy. Well, Matt, I understand some of the stories that you covered for your previous podcast between the liner notes helped form Bleeped. So I wanted you maybe to kind of dig a little deeper into that and show what you uncovered and why it kind of, uh, it kind of piqued your interest and made this new show possible. Yeah, so uh, on my last show, Between the Liner Notes, you know, a, a large percentage of the episodes were about uh, musicians who had been censored in some way. Uh, folk musicians in Greenwich Village in the 1960s not being allowed to sing in a park. Uh, a, a labor activist who got uh, put on trial. Uh, and, and, and also there was an sh- episode that I, I didn't get to – finish making where I wanted to interview Luther Campbell from two live crew to discuss the, their infamous, uh, obscenity trial from 1990. Uh, so those, those episodes that two that I completed, one that I didn't complete really got me thinking that, you know, censorship would be a great topic for a show. Talk about then and now your old show is digging into some older cases, 1990s, 1960s. 
what's different about the atmosphere today, or maybe what's the same about what's going on right now? Because I'm, I'm fascinated by that. I'm, you know, I always think about uh, Lenny Bruce and how he was arrested and his stand-up routine was so scandalous. And right. in a way, that would never happen today. And in another way, comedians can't say what they want again. So I, I'm, I'm just fascinated by the cultural tides changing. And I, I just from your perspective, what's different today than it, than it was back then? So, well, let's let's keep using Lenny Bruce as an example. I think two things changed. All right. So with Lenny Bruce, the uh, the way the Supreme Court defines obscenity has changed. But more importantly, I think, and especially in the last ten years, is that the internet has really changed the way we respond to information and the speed with which we respond to information. So an act of censorship is we're going to find out about it a lot quicker. And that's a good thing, right? I mean, we sort of that that being aware of it rather than sort of waiting weeks yeah. and months, perhaps. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we find out it immediately within two or three days. It can become international news. But but I think there's also on the on the flip side of that, there's also like um, there's more speech. There's more public speech on the Internet, you know, using these private companies platforms. And that also creates more opportunities for censorship. Mm-hmm. So you have this sort of like double edged sword with the Internet where it in some way it's a great remedy for censorship. In another way, it's a great opportunity for it. And also with the Lenny Bruce example, it was the government or the Supreme Court weighing in on whether he could say what he wanted to say. Now it's either corporations or even people self-censoring themselves. It's sort of a, there's been a shift there too, I would think. No, you're absolutely right, and and that's one 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 of the things that I hope my show can really reveal that uh, the greatest threat to freedom of speech right now is not actually the federal government; it's it's private corporations. And the culture at large that's letting it happen, I think, too. Well, uh, I, I know the show isn't live yet, but talk about what you're planning, maybe some episodes you've got in the can, or even you mentioned Luther Campbell before. Is, is he sort of still on your, your wish list, or what's what's the situation there? Uh, he is absolutely on my wish list. I haven't reached out to him. I'm going to wait for the show to launch uh, until I reach out to him uh, so he can kind of see that it's a significant show, mm-hmm. and I'm not just some you know random podcaster trying to speak to him. Yeah. Um, but... You know, I got some great ones coming up. You know, I, I have this. Well, my first episode is going to be about a gentleman uh, named Fane Lozman. And Fane Lozman, uh, he he owned a floating home, and that's different from a houseboat. He owned a floating home in Riviera Beach, Florida. And uh, when he showed up to Riviera Beach, the city of Riviera Beach was trying to take via eminent domain 2,200 homes from the citizens there and using some legal. I don't want to call them tricks, but some legal tactics. Fain was able to kill the redevelopment deal, and the city of Riviera Beach retaliated by um, uh, what they do. So he had to rent uh, the slip at the municipal marina for his floating home, and every month he'd have to send in a, a rent check. Well, one month they returned the rent check and then went to federal court claiming that he didn't pay his rent, uh-huh. and they got and they got a maritime lien to seize his house. So one day he goes – he takes his dog and he goes grocery shopping and when he gets back, there's three federal marshals in his house and a towboat waiting to haul it off. It's amazing. Yeah. So so that's that's the kind of story that I really want to tell, right? Not not I don't want to tell stories, you know, about landmark Supreme Court cases, you know, from a very legal perspective. I want to tell stories about individuals who've really had their lives negatively impacted by censorship and what they did to fight back. 
Interesting. You know, uh, one of the things I've noticed, I'm a conservative. I don't know your politics. It doesn't really matter for this conversation. But I am noticing that in a lot of these topics that there's sort of a the right is more animated and the left isn't as much. And I, I think I I follow that more with censorship on social media, maybe even artists not being able to say what they want to say. You know, HBO's Confederate program, which, you know, sight unseen was was attacked and, and many people wanted to go away. This would seem on the surface to be something that would draw the left and the right together. It, it, what's your thoughts on that? And, and why is that not happening as much as I thought it would? Um, well, I think the reason it's not drawing the left and the right together is I, I think uh, so that this is this is something that actually should have been happening a long time, right? So so let's actually start by talking about that that one Supreme Court case where the ACLU defended a Nazi's right to hold a demonstration in Wisconsin, I believe it was. That's right. Yeah, okay. that's the one. And uh, I think. Right. And, and that like the ACLU got a lot of pushback from that. Right. But what the ACLU, what they said publicly was that, you know, we need to defend uh, freedom of speech for everyone. Otherwise, it'll be in jeopardy for everyone. And so I think, you know, what you're seeing now is is that you're seeing a lot of conservatives uh, being removed from Facebook without much warning, without much uh, uh, due process, really, if, if Facebook has a due process. And. People are kind of sitting on the sidelines saying, well, we're going to let this one slide because I don't agree with what they say. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think it, it is important to, to realize that we do need to defend everyone's speech because it, it's not hard to imagine a world where, you know, it's 1910 and I'm a labor organizer and Facebook shuts me down or I'm a communist and it's 1950 and Facebook shuts me down. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and I, I think it's important that we all stick up for each other's freedom of speech. Yeah, and I think that – it was funny. When I was a kid, there was a, a TV movie with Danny Kaye based on that Skokie case, and you know that movie would not be made today. And I think that the ACLU of today is different than the one that was 30, 40 years ago. Uh, talk a little bit about – is there anything that really kind of gnaws at you, a specific case or a specific maybe cultural trend within this arena? I mean I, I imagine a lot of things are upsetting to you, and you, you've researched specific cases. But is there something that really kind of keeps you up at night? There's a lot of things that keep me up at night, but I, I think one of the things that that really does keep me up at night is how uh, how much how much power we've allowed private corporations to have over our speech, and it's not just social media corporations like like Facebook and Twitter. Um, a, a lot of it is just. Uh, the stuff that they're allowed to put into our employment contracts, like arbitration agreements. Um, when we get cell phones, they'll sneak a little thing into the terms of service that says we can't, you know, if they commit a felony against us, we can't do a class action lawsuit. Mm. And, you know, and all this stuff is is allowed. You know, the Supreme Court has has held over and over and over again that, that corporations, you know, because of their own free speech uh, rights are allowed to do these things. And, and I think it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I th- and I think because you know when when we're entering a contract with say Sprint or AT and T, uh, we're not two equal parties coming to that contract. You know we're in the cell phone store and that thing and that terms of service appears on the screen and we either sign it or we don't. We don't get a chance to negotiate it. So I, I think it's important to recognize that because we're not two equal parties coming uh, to these agreements, 
we we should probably have laws protecting our, our speech. Yeah. Just a quick side note. What I like about what you're doing is that, to me, the mainstream media should be covering these issues. These impact our lives. They can be kind of scary. They could have significant consequences. And I think that often it's, hey, here's the horse race between the 20-plus t- Democratic candidates, which matters but I think what you're covering matters too, and I, I love the fact that new media, whether it's blogs or podcasts, you know, cover this ground. And by the way, before we went on air, we were talking about sort of podcasting behind the scenes. I was curious, you're a veteran podcaster now, what's, what's the hardest part of the process of being a podcaster that maybe listeners have no idea about? Oh gosh! Well, the the re- the research and and the learning new things is the fun part, right? Uh-huh. Like like I I love talking to new people. I love uh, learning about things that I didn't know too much about before. Uh, but you know the hard part is when you are you know, in your eighth hour of editing one interview or you're trying to make a script for for like a documentary style podcast and. You know, you, you haven't been outside your apartment all day. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know whether it's light or, day, or or night outside. And, you know, and you could have a number of days like that where it's just this the, these tasks that in order to get the podcast to its finished state are just so tedious. Mm-hmm. So podcasters are more pale than the average person just based on uh, the- Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I take vitamin D. <laughs> I, I, I have a thing of vitamin D at my desk. <laughs> Uh, another issue that's been really on my mind is the platforming and, and what it seems very obvious as far as what Twitter does with conservatives versus liberals. And, you know, a Kathy Griffin can say something abhorrent and she is fine. And yet a, a conservative can, can say something wink, wink, naughty, and, and he's gone or she's gone. And then there's the whole, well, what do we do? Do we, do we regulate the social media giants? Do we let them be? Do we say that they're private companies they can do with it? There's, there's a lot of discussion and there's no easy answers. I'm, I'm kind of curious, have you thought about this and, or what would you like to see happen um, just given the disparity going on? Yeah, and, and I think that's a very important question. And, um, you know, obviously there is no law, like you said, that, that requires them to give you any notice, give you any warning uh, before they take down your account. They can just do it on a whim if they want to. Uh, so I think what's what's really, you know, maybe not legally, but in terms of like the abstract social contract that they have with us as their customers, you know, we let them use our data to advertise to us and make a lot of money. And they're supposed to be a platform where we can talk. And I think part of that social contract is, is that if we misbehave, there there probably should be like uh, a three strikes rule mm-hmm. where where they give us a couple of warnings. And then... And then when when they when they give us these warnings, there should be a very specific thing that we violated in the terms of a service where it says this is what our terms of service stipulates. This is what you said that violates this. Please don't do this again. You have, you know, two two more. You know, and and um, I've also heard uh, Facebook discuss coming up with an appeals process hmm. where, you know, if you do get kicked off, you can appeal it and that'll go to a, a bunch of people that they like assembled into a council that are kind of, uh, free speech scholars and people who, but people who aren't necessarily employed by the company. So you get kind of a, a third party outsider appeal. I'm not sure that they did that. I haven't heard that they've put that together and have made an appeals process part of their system. But I think it's a good idea because, you know, 
it, like one of the things that I notice when I see conservatives complain about getting kicked off of Facebook is that it they just wake up one day, their account's gone, and they've had no warning and no real explanation. Yeah, Does that lack, sound about yeah. right to you? Oh my gosh, the lack of transparency is shocking. And you know, as a solopreneur, it matters if my face. Listen, my, my Facebook page isn't doesn't have a massive reach, but some of my friends they they have they depend on that. And if all of a sudden it's gone the next day without a warning, without any reason why, then their their whole business could collapse. And I, I, I don't listen. If they said horrible horrible things, that's that's on them. You could say, but when it's very unclear and very opaque, then that's a problem. And you know, I like the the sort of the third party group that would rule over things, but. I often think that I, I think that might be overwhelming them. Like it, it could be so many cases that all of a sudden it becomes too cumbersome. But I think on paper that would be helpful. Yeah, well, it'd be interesting to try it and see just how many cases it would be. Mm. I mean, I think it's important to point out though that Facebook has spent very, very little time even caring about their content moderation teams. Uh, for, before conservatives started getting kicked off of Facebook in the past couple of years, uh, there was another incident where drag queens were getting kicked off of Facebook. Uh, and they were getting kicked off for not using their their legal names. They were getting kicked off for using their drag names. Mm -hmm. And they experienced something very, very similar where they would just wake up one day and their account would be gone. Uh, and one of the things that frustrated them was like they would try to contact the company. No one would ever get back to them. If, if somebody did get back to them, it would be like a, a pre-written response, like a b very boilerplate response. And uh, I did – I, I don't know if that's going to be an episode or not, but I did do some research and I spoke to some actual Facebook content moderators. Now, the company does not treat them very well, which, which I think goes to show you uh, – how much of a priority this is for the company. Hmm. Uh, they're not full-time employees. Uh, they, they do not like, so, so for example, there are people that have to look at, uh, posts that should not be allowed to be posted. Uh, they, uh, in an eight hour shift, they're required to look at 5,000 posts. Uh. Right. And a lot of these posts. All right. I mean, right now we're talking about political speech, but a lot of these posts are like beheadings and rapes and stuff is that's really traumatic to see. Well, Facebook, right, because they're not full-time employees, they don't get health care. So or, or they have to go, you know, pay out of pocket through the Obamacare system. And that means that they can't get any therapy for seeing five thousand you know images of rapes and murders a day. So I think I think what Facebook needs to do, honestly, is just really understand that this is a massive priority for them. Yeah. And that is part of their social contract with us that they get this right. And part of me thinks that I cut these giants slack because this is such a uh, kind of the wild, wild west of the digital age. And we're still all learning how to navigate it. But, yeah, you're right. That, it is, that, isn't, that isn't the kind of thing you just kind of sh shovel off to the side. That's a significant part of what you do. And the people behind the scenes doing it. They deserve far more credit and money and consideration, but uh, but again, that's interesting and something I wasn't even aware of. So it's one of the one of the many reasons I'll be tuning in to Bleat when it comes out. I, I was kind of curious, you know, Donald Trump has been uh, sort of a haphazard hero in the free speech side. Sometimes he's inelegant, but often he does speak out in certain issues. Who else could or should be speaking out? I, I here's my two cents. I think it should be. The George Clooney's of the world, because I think that they have a platform. They they are in the creative arts, and I think if a Clooney would come out and kind of pound his fist and say we need more free speech, 
I think that would have consequences. Now, I could be wrong, but who, who do you think should be stepping up that would have uh, some cultural sway at this point? Oh, that's a great question. You know, in the past, like we were talking about that ACLU ruling, mm-hmm. uh, they would be the ones that would step <laughs> up. And and I feel I, I feel like maybe that, that, you know, free speech, no matter, you know, free speech for everyone you know, a hundred percent, it has kind of is starting to wane a little bit, and you know, I think m- maybe it should start there. And I don't know what kind of celebrities would get involved. You know, usually it's it's celebrities that have been censored before. Uh-huh. You know, and I think you know, there's there's a whole bunch of them in Hollywood, musicians, and I think they should probably speak up as well. Yeah, I think Bill Maher actually, is, you know, I don't agree with him politically, but he's been very consistent on free speech, and he has been bitten by it. But I think he'd be doing it without having experienced it firsthand. I think he's, I think he's that much of a purist on the issue, and I, I give him all the credit for that. Yeah, me too. Uh, you're right; he is a purist on that issue. Yeah, but I, I definitely think though that you know people who have you know been through this process realize how just how painful it is, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think it's important to be able to to view it through that lens. Interesting. Where are we? Do you? This is sort of my the crystal ball question, which is wildly unfair. Where are we on this pendulum? Are are things going to get much much worse before they get better? Do you think we're we're hitting a breaking point where even people across the aisle are are being aghast at what we're seeing, or or is the worst yet to come? Hmm. And you will be graded on this, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think it probably gets worse before it gets better. Um, I think you know because we we should have been looking at Facebook and Twitter and everybody doing this a long time ago, and and we just never did. And and now, and even still, we're not really like like we're gonna boycott Facebook unless they come up with a fair process. We're gonna boycott Twitter, uh, or even you know these are publicly traded companies. We can hit them with their stock prices you know mm-hmm. we're not going to we're not going to invest in uh mutual funds that are invested in facebook and twitter um so i think i think it doesn't get better until we really start holding uh those companies feet to the fire gotcha uh before we let you go matt any last uh thoughts on believed and what people can expect i think you've done a wonderful job pitching it without actually pitching it because I think that's the best way to spread the news but I'll let you put on your your salesperson hat on right now uh, what else can we expect or what's the what's another key reason why you want to check out this show so two things I should say uh, for, first I think you mentioned it a little bit before where a lot of these stories are not what's being covered in the three 24-hour news networks uh, most of these stories have nothing to do with the federal government or with Donald Trump or anything like that right so if you want a break from that my show's a great place to go uh, and and they're really covering stories about uh, regular people who go through this trauma and sometimes the trauma is, you know, it's it's not just like, you know, I had a, a Facebook post tweet, uh, taken down. It's like it really impacts their lives to the point where like Fane Lozman, he lost his house. Uh, I have another one where uh, the main character had his credit destroyed because he left a negative review on a website about a company. Oh. So it, it's stories like that yeah. where and, – and I think, you know – 
in a lot of them, we can find common ground. Both the left and the right can find common ground in some of these stories. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But uh, well, thank you again, Matt, for joining the Hitcast. The new podcast is Bleeped, debuting June 18th. But as soon as June comes around, you can start subscribing right then. And if you need more information, go to bleeped.org and you'll find it all. Thanks again, Matt. Hey, thank you so much. This was fun. Well, thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check out HollywoodandToto.com for both the show notes and, of course, the latest entertainment news. Please follow me at Twitter at HollywoodandToto. And we'd love it if you leave a podcast review over at iTunes. See you next week. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. This episode is sponsored by schwanns.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.